helicopter, we have um, Cuba Libre, but Cuba Libre is very simple, it's raw, cola, and limon, and appeared in the last one, uh, Mojito. Okay. And later, the bean will be ready for to be roast. Here, we have roast bean coffee, so if you want to try it to eat, you can do it. Please, you can smell. This is not a luxury vacation. This is a survival adventure. <laughs> On May 7, 2023, a group of 24 Emory and Henry alumni and students embarked on a trip with Dr. Mark Finney to Cuba where they would learn firsthand about the history and culture of Cuba for the next 10 days. In this first episode of the Cuban Excursion, we will first take you to the Cuban airport where this wonderful trip began. Bienvenidos a Cuba. We're here. We're it's here. It's hot. Yes. It's muggy. Yes. What is the thing you're looking forward to the best? Like all the things. All the things? Yeah. Is there not one particular thing that's sure just like, uh, the music. I can't I'm wait looking to... forward to uh, the music. As mentioned by Dr. Finney, the weather in Cuba upon arrival was very hot and muggy, as the temperature when the group arrived in Cuba was in the mid-80s, which is, for reference, a 20-degree jump from the weather we were getting in Emory, where it was 64 degrees the day before we left. Alum Rick Miller was looking forward to warmer temperatures as he packed for the trip. I brought shorts and t-shirts and very lightweight uh, trousers. And what are you most looking forward to in this next 10 days? Um, I wanted that waterfall that, in the, that is in the itinerary and the old cars and seeing just learning about how they keep them going. The temperature change would not be the only thing participants on the trip would have to adapt to while in Cuba. Over the next 10 days, our group would have to adapt to being in a Spanish-speaking country and how that would complicate communication with many of the Cuban people we would interact with. Candace, Alexa, and Emily explained their thoughts on how they would try to adapt to communicating in a language they are not fluent in. I know basic Spanish, the hola, saying hi, goodbye, thank you, um, good, but not very good at Spanish, but I'm probably going to learn. How confident are you in your Spanish-speaking abilities and understanding this week? Um, I think I'm going to be able to speak better than I'm going to be able to understand, especially at the pace that fluent speakers are going to be speaking. But hopefully I pick up on it a bit more as, while we're here. <laughs> all right. So, do you know Spanish? Not at all. Not at all? <laughs> all right. Well, how do you feel about being in Cuba and having to adapt to a language you aren't really familiar with? I think I'm going to use a lot more hand signs and more like universal things. So like a little bit of sign language, just like, you know, if I'm trying to eat something, I'm going to put something in my mouth. Like I'm going to try and use a lot more body language than I typically would. As our group got onto the bus from the airport and headed to the Casas where we would stay in Havana, we considered how we'd have to adjust to changes in temperature and language. But before we got much further than that, our tour guide, Sylvia, introduced us to another major contrast with our lives in the U.S. All right, I'm Sylvia. Welcome to Cuba. Uh, first, I want to thank everybody very, very much yeah, for coming here. Your support for the Cuban people. It's a message of peace through the difficult relation between Cuba and the United States. So we are very, very grateful. 
that you take in this trip. We make together me, my, you met with Fredo. Together with my team, we make sure that we do everything to make you up, to make you enjoy the trip, to make you get Cuba as we know it on every day, to have fun, to see the beauty of this country, to be to stay safe, and to have a fairly easy trip. Although in Cuba, it's never easy. Yeah, every day we go through plan A, B, C, because things change here. Also, in the morning between seven and nine, you have internet here. So you can go actually on in, in the same in the evening, between 6 and 9 p.m. in the evening you have internet again. We would only have internet for two hours in the mornings and three hours in the evenings before bed. These rules on the internet added just one more thing we would have to adjust to while we are in Cuba. Because just like many of you listening at home, most of us were used to having internet access at any time throughout the day while in America. But as Sylvia pointed out during the orientation, This is not a luxury vacation. This is a survival yeah. adventure. <laughs> Following our trip, Meg Askey reflected back on how she felt when she first heard about how little internet access we would have while in Cuba. Before the trip, I was very upset about it. I was very sad that I wouldn't be able to like be on my Snapchat, be on my Instagram, and be on my Twitter, and everything. But um, I had Wi-Fi most of the trip. Like, every time we were on the bus, I had Wi-Fi. And I ended up just getting so irritated that, you know, I got so many notifications when I was trying to do, like, something that, like, you don't necessarily, you don't need to be on your phone to experience going to Cuba. And so I, like, basically turned all my notifications off and acted like, even when I had Wi-Fi, that I didn't have Wi-Fi. And then we were told that there were certain things that we shouldn't do on the internet because it would kick other people off, such as streaming videos or movies. Can you talk about that a little bit? Most of the stuff on my phone that was going to take, like, a lot of Wi-Fi to do, like, streaming stuff, um, unless you had a VPN, you couldn't get on it. Like, you can't, even if I, even when I had Wi-Fi, you can't get on TikTok because it's not, you're not allowed to have TikTok in Cuba, I guess. Um, my Instagram never loaded because you have to have a VPN to get on it. Snapchat never loaded because you had to have a VPN. Uh, my Twitter, like, semi-worked. My Facebook, like, semi-worked. I'm not even sure how. But I think I wasn't even able to get, like, if, I mean, if I wanted to watch like, a YouTube video, I guess I could, but I, I don't ever really do that. So it wasn't a big deal to me. We are almost finished with the arrival process and prepare for our trip. But Sylvia has one last thing we needed to do before we could go. Uh, now, the only thing I would like to do is I can change your money. We have it all new. So it's uh, we the rate, uh, the gov government official rate is 120, right? We changing it on a black market and 165. Yeah, the currency fluctuate. Sometimes you it can reach 180. We cannot give you the highest rate because we have to meet. It changes up and down. To accumulate so much money, we had to pay someone. Uh, to organize that for us. So we give you much more than the government rate, but not the very top, yeah? I want to be honest with you, so... And then, in most places, they want dollars. For example, here, for the drinks, they want dollars, yeah? But in restaurant, it's better to pay with pesos often. Yeah, then you get cheaper. And all that belongs to government is in pesos. Whenever it's private artist, it's dollars again. But don't worry, we're going to lead you through all this process so you know when it makes sense to pay pesos, when it makes sense to pay dollars, or where they require what, okay? 
And now we only operate in Cuba with these two currencies, with the groups, and there is another virtual currency, you don't have to worry about it, MLS, and of course, euro. But dollar is always the king in Cuba, yeah? Thank you for joining us on our trip to Cuba and tuning in for the Cuban excursion. I hope you'll be back to learn more and experience the wonderful trip we had with us. Before we go, I'd like to thank Emory & Henry College and the International Studies Program, Kalibi Travel and Tours, the Amigo Band, and Dr. Finney in the Media and Communications Department. Until next time, I'm Anthony Smith, Jr., saying goodbye.